Let's read some familiar words here. Genesis chapter 11, describing the beginning of Babylon. Babylon is a city that represents the world system, the fallen kingdom, Satan's kingdom. You'll find it in Genesis all the way to Revelation and still exists today in a spiritual sense. But notice what happens in Genesis chapter 11, just the first four verses. At this time, the whole world spoke one language. The people found a plain in the land of Babylonia, settled there. They said to each other, let's make bricks, bake them, and make them hard. So they used bricks instead of stones. Then they said to each other, let's build a city and a tower for ourselves whose top will reach into the sky. We will become famous and not be scattered over all the earth. I love Dwight Moody's quote. He said, the voice of sin is loud, but the voice of forgiveness is loud louder. Let's take a look at what's taking place here. There's some straightforward lessons here and then one that's still important for us to make on a daily basis. May not be as clear, but we'll look at it here in a moment. Notice again the verse starts here at this time the whole world spoke one language. One language doesn't necessarily mean language as we use that term. It means they had one idea. That one idea, if you look at Genesis, was before this event, the last major event, was the flood. And all the people had one idea, uh, unanimous disobedience, so to speak. And that one idea was to do what they chose to do and ignore what God had commanded. You remember, they come out of the flood, they're told, be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. And the people do the opposite. What do they do? They find a plain in Babylonia and they settle there. They were supposed to go out into the whole earth, populate the world, take dominion, but instead this unanimous disobedience and they, you know, instead of be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, instead they decide to settle in Babylon, the first act of disobedience. You know, Martin Luther said it so poetically live as if Jesus was crucified yesterday, rose from the dead today, and is returning tomorrow. That we stop and make decisions in light of who we are in Christ. We're going to see a vast difference in the world system here in some studies about children and what it is that we are called to do to be that light in the world. There's one voice that unanimous disobedience that the God of this world has blinded people to see the reality of truth in Christ. And that disobedience leads people to be self-serving instead of listening to what God is calling them to do. Now notice what happens next. They said to one another, let us build a city and a tower for ourselves whose top will reach high into the sky. So why would they want to build this tower so tall? Again, the last major event before this is the flood. What are they trying to do? Instead of obeying God's voice, they're choosing to live in sin, knowing there will be consequence. So they said, let's build a tower tall enough that if another flood comes, the tower will be taller than the water. Again, they're not interested in God. They're rather interested only in how they can serve themselves. Scott Johnson, an architect, put it like this. Expedience, transcendence, Ambition and dominance are the principal reasons tall buildings emerged and still continue to be built. Notice again, ambition and dominance. What we can do for self, so to speak. So as we're in this Lenten season, moving towards Easter, 
Again, tremendous lessons here in this story. We're going to look at just a couple and then one not so clear that you and I have to decide on a daily basis. One of the things, though, to look at in this Lenten season, again, it's a time to reflect, to repent, to rededicate. You know, Grandma Moses that made paintings of children playing in the snow very popular. She did not start painting until she was 78. So it's never too late to start again. It's never too late for a new beginning. It's never too late to say, you know what, today is the day. Notice again, the next part of Genesis 11, they said to themselves, we will become famous and not be scattered over the earth. So again, it was direct disobedience to God and self-serving, what they thought they could get from this moment of disobedience. But think about it. If you gain the whole world, lose your soul. Here's a speech from Terry Bradshaw when he was entered into the Hall of Fame. This is the speech that he gave. Pay attention clearly to what he shares here. Terry Bradshaw said this, This honor would mean nothing to me at all if I did not have people who loved me. Going after those temporal things, that ambition, that dominance, that tallest building, that self-serving attitude. So again, the people settled in Babylon. Rather than be fruitful and multiply, unanimous disobedience. It's easy to go with the crowd. They have one voice. They built a tower so tall they thought they could avoid the consequence of their sin and have a tower so big if there was another flood, they would survive. And they sought to serve self with, let us be famous, beginning of humanism, occult teaching. It all comes out of Babylon, that self-serving idea. It's always been a city to represent world system and Satan's kingdom. And it exists, again, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, but there's something else we'll look at here in just a moment. Before that, look at John chapter 1, verse 42, another familiar verse, I'm sure, but notice here, Jesus talking to Peter. Jesus looked at him and said, your name is Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. Here's the King James reading. He brought to him Jesus he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, son of John, thou shalt be called Cephas, which by interpretation is a stone. So Peter gets a name change here. It happens all through Scripture. We're told we have a new name in heaven. We don't know what it is yet, but God knows what it is. Names represent significant changes. You become who God sees you, and Often you get a new name so that you can begin to see yourself in that same light. The most famous example is Abram, man of father, becomes Abraham, father of nations. And so here you see Peter. He gets a new name. His name is Simon. Simon means a reed. And then Peter means a rock. So his name is changed from a reed to a rock. And a rock means several things in Scripture. You think about the parable Jesus said, if you build on sand, everything gets washed away. You build on solid ground or on rock, you withstand the storm. So rock, it means truth. It also means, of course, strength. There's character. So all these are true. So when Peter looks at Cephas, he says, you're not going to be called a reed or a plant any longer. You're going to be rock. Strong character courage built on the truth charles elcott 1800 said the meaning is thou shall be 
called a rock man. So again, it's a new name for Peter to have a new identity so that he can go and fulfill this new calling on his life. Think about this story here from Joel Smith. Think about, again, people you and I rub shoulders with on a daily basis, or maybe this is you. And know if it is, this picture of Easter that Jesus laid down his life for you and me shows you and me that the opposite of what this man experienced is true, that your life is valuable beyond belief. But here's Joel Smith. One of the defining moments of my life was the day I first got to class before anybody else. I sat for a couple moments alone in the corner of the classroom waiting for the others to show up. A young woman came in, opened the door, looked around, and said to someone behind her in the hall, there is nobody here. Defining moment in his life, he's reliving it many years later, happened in high school. Somebody looked at him and said, there's nobody here. You know, as Jack Canfield said, everyone wears an appreciate me sign. And how many people feel like they're simply unseen by the world around them? That's why, again, we're called to live a different life, to have a different standard for how we love and forgive and have compassion, how we live on a day-to-day basis, you know, to be able to say that life It happens for me and not to me. And to be that example to other people so that they can see, you know what, if you feel unseen, please know that there's one who entered into the darkness to bring light. And it cost him everything, but he did it for you and for me because you have that value. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 11. Look at one more thing. The spiritual lesson being relayed here. They said to each other, let's make bricks and bake them, make them hard. So they use bricks instead of stones. As Tony Robbins said, no, it is your decisions, not your conditions that determine your destiny. What happened here in Genesis is a a decision that lies before you and before me day to day, every day. Everything happening here is a spiritual lesson, a parable for life for you and I to stop and to see it's the decisions that we make that determine our destiny. Consider Basil the Great, 300 AD. What kind of life do you have to live to be called the Great? Think about that. Basil the Great, one of the great theologians in church history, but not always so. He was close to his brother and sister. His sister was to get married. Her fiance died in an accident. So she essentially moved in to what would be called a a monastery at that time and dedicated her life to Christ, to prayer, serving the poor. Rather than become broken, she said, I'm going to give myself, pour my life into others. Basil took a different road. He was known as a genius. Other writers at that time talk about him, that he is one of the most intelligent people to ever live. Became a very successful attorney. Lots of money, spent it in very worldly ways. Then one day, his brother died and he was devastated. 
sank into despair. The only person he knew that lived a life of fulfillment was his sister. He goes to her and he's broken about their brother's now dead. And he says, you know, teach me how to live like you. She shares the gospel with him. She teaches him about prayer, about giving to others, pouring his life into other people. He becomes this believer in Christ and and he then begins to pour his life into other people in his community that were in desperation, whether they had no food, no money, he was there for them. He became such an example, they put him in charge as a leader. And spiritually, he became this, this minister to an entire city. Again, it's our decisions that make our destiny. I love the story about Mother Teresa. She was asked, you know, why don't you ever go to protest? And she said, don't tell me what you're against. Tell me what you're for. And I'll show up for that. What a great statement. You know, people are against so many things and so much negativity, so many complaints, so much division. It's easy to be a critic. It's an amateur life. But tell me what you're for. What is it that you stand for? What's your life about? As Robin says, no man or woman is happy unless they have found a way to contribute beyond themselves. So, Genesis 11, they said to each other, let us make bricks and bake them hard. So they use bricks instead of stone. What's happening here? We're told very clearly that people chose to make bricks and that they use bricks instead of stone. What do we know about bricks? Well, bricks are man-made. Bricks are easily replaced. Bricks all look the same. Bricks all fit together. And so man-made bricks that look like everything else is what they chose to build the tower with. It's another step in the direction of self-serving. Rather than using stones, a part of God's creation. And here's the challenge for you and I. Each of us can at any moment, you know, choose which life am I going to live? There is the brick. There's so many of those and they all look the same. And there's a comfort in that. Go along to get along. Or there's the life that is in Christ built upon a stone like Peter, the rock, a stone which represents truth and truth strength of character, and courage. Love this here by Billy Burke. You get what you fight for, what you contend for, not what you want. So again, what are you for? Think about Peter for a moment. He went from being called a reed to being called a rock. And about 20 years after the resurrection, Peter writes a letter to the church. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, Notice the language that he uses here with his new identity. He says to you and to me, the church, come to him, come to Christ. There is no other. Whatever the need you have, 
the answer is found. Come to him. Notice this next statement, a living stone. A stone, a living stone, something supernatural. Come to Christ, the supernatural one. Come to him, a living stone, precious. Again, the bricks, all easy to replace. Christ, the one whose no value could be estimated. The precious one. But notice what Peter says next. And then you yourselves, like living stones, like Christ, supernatural life, are built up into a spiritual house. So the question is, again, living stones, that's something supernatural. And which would I rather be? Would I rather be a brick in secular society or a living stone in the temple of God? An unnatural brick is what the world is filled with. Man-made conformity. All fit together and easily replaced. Or choose to live with the living stone as a living stone by His grace. Now, think for a moment here. The difference in a world system. Babylon where all the bricks are the same versus kingdom life. As has been well said, men at best are men at best. And what does that produce? And listen to this study here done out of the University of Iowa. What they did is they wanted to see in a life of a two-year-old, two-year-old, what kind of statements do they listen to all day long. So they had graduate students live with families for many, many days. What they did is they had a clicker. And if there was a negative statement exposed to the two-year-old, they click one clicker. If they were exposed to a positive statement, then they would click a different one. It didn't have to be a, a criticism where somebody said something mean to this baby. It could just be a negative statement where the parent is saying, you know, life is hard or nobody cares, whatever it might be. But again, they were looking at a two-year-old exposed to negative statements and how many positive statements so how many positive statements in a day did they find on average a two-year-old is exposed to well they found the positive statements 32 32 now here's the negative statements 432 You see, if we don't have a different standard for our life, if we don't begin to say, I don't want to be just a man-made brick, expendable and replaceable. I want to be a living stone like the living stone who's called me to be a rock, basing my life on truth and courage and character. Jack Canfield cites another story here. Listen to this one. This survey here was about self-esteem. And what they did is they followed kids all the way through school, had them take a self-esteem inventory to see how they would rate themselves. And when they entered in to first grade, they wanted to see how many would score themselves as high on a self-esteem inventory. So first grade, 80% of the kids said they were high in self-esteem. By fifth grade, that dropped all the way down to 
all the negativity, all the criticism, all the limiting beliefs, all the people, you know, that said, don't stand out. All these things build up 80% by fifth grade down to 20%. What do you think it was by the time these kids graduated high school? You see, this is why, again, we have to stop and say from the beginning of time, there has been this system, this Babylonian system, this world system, and there are many people that say, just be one of the bricks, one of the man-made, self-serving, easily replaced, conformity-based lives. Versus Jesus who comes along and says things opposed to the world like, if you want to be first, then you need to learn to be last. If you want to be great, then learn to be the least. If your enemy curses you, then you bless him. By the time these kids graduate high school, 5% had high self-esteem. This time of year, it's about reflection and repentance. Renew us, Dan Sneed said, there is more grace in God's heart than there is sin or brokenness in yours. And that's why if you found yourself being one of the unnatural bricks and you want to live in that supernatural living stone life, now is the time to do that. Just simply ask yourself, which would I rather be, a brick in secular society or a living stone in the kingdom of God? And if we choose the latter, we just simply have to say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me, and I surrender my life unto you. Yes, the voice of sin is louder, but the voice of forgiveness, it is louder still. It's your decisions, not your conditions that determine your destiny. And you and I have to simply come to the place to say, I don't just want to conform or fit in, or be self-serving. I want to be a rock, a living stone. My life based on truth, not self-serving. My life based on courage, not negativity. My life based on character, not compromise. So we simply stop and again, recognize the voice of sin is loud, but the voice of forgiveness is louder still.